You're listening to So What? The podcast that explores why library and information science research matters. We interview researchers about their work. And they connect the dots between what they do and its importance to your life. Okay, let's get on it. Hello. Hi. Hi. My name's Alex Mayhew. I'm a second year PhD student here at the University of Western Ontario, also known as Western University because of rebranding. Hi, I'm Jennifer Opoku. I am also a second year PhD student at the University of Western Ontario because I'm a curmudgeon and I like the original name better. I think it's a better name. I agree. How many things are called UWO? Some, apparently. Oh, well. Okay, so I've tried to bring us here together so that we can have a free-form conversation, see where it goes, uh, specifically about aging and death, but mostly aging. First of all, I understand you actually have some background studying aging. Give me the elevator pitch for, for what you work on. Okay, so the elevator pitch is that I'm coming to aging studies primarily as a demographic for setting my research interests in sexuality and information practices. I picked aging in part because of the work that I've seen done uh, here at Western in aging studies and also because of previous colleagues that I know who have done some really cool work with aging. So as a point of comparison, point of contact maybe, my my encounter with uh, aging as a field of study has often been it's, it's the last acceptable taboo maybe not the last, but it's unacceptable to have it. We don't, we don't want to talk about aging. We don't want to acknowledge it. Old people should be not part of society as much. They, they no longer have anything to contribute. That's the sort of narrative that I've been exposed to. And everything is either promoting that or fighting against that. That seems to be the, the dominant discourse I've seen either promulgated or reacted to. Is, has that been your experience as well? Or? Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Um, the terms that I come across as a scholar, actually the primary term I come across is ageism. And I have friends who have described that as a fear of our t- future selves. And the reading that I've done, certainly certainly when they're talking more about the concept of aging, really do touch on that is that we have this fear that as we get older, we're going to lose everything, you know, in increasing mean, amounts. And so... In a certain practical sense. Sure, sure. But it's almost this hyper fears. Okay, so I'll get really uh, blunt. I'm studying sexuality and information practices. So for men, one of those ageist fears is that I'm not going to be able to become erect and orgasm the mm-hmm. way I normally did when I was in my 20s. And so there's this constant sort of, am I still performing the way that I feel I should be as a man? And the flip for women is, am I still becoming lubricated the way that I thought I was supposed to be when I'm becoming aroused? And the fear Years of those things not happening the way that we think we should be able to predict them. Again, this is just one arena, but it keeps us all really afraid. And so, so what I find interesting about ageism is that sometimes those things come about as a result of another medical condition we may be dealing with, hypertension or something like that. But if those things happen, say we're in, we're in our mid-30s or our late 30s, suddenly we're telling ourselves, oh, I'm too old. Mm-hmm. I'm becoming old. You know, and so there's a lot of really interesting fear, and yeah, the narrative you speak of is definitely out there. A common response I've encountered is something along the lines of the biological realities that humans inevitably face. If you don't die of this, you'll die of that. Right. Means that those fears are, in some sense, justified. I would uh, agree with that. Yeah. 
my background's encountering this is much more in the philosophy section of it as opposed to anything practical, let's well, that say. Cool, though. Yes. Yeah. And they tend to have a very pro-death perspective. Okay. The common refrain is death gives meaning to life. And okay. as a result, aging is simultaneously put on a pedestal of mm-hmm. this is the natural process and it should be honored and respected. And it's also because it's part of the same sort of cultural zeitgeist that everything is, it's still relegated to the corners. We don't really want to talk about it. It's still in the shadows. So there's that very interesting tension that exists from the philosophical discourses around death that I've encountered. Mm -hmm. The dominant ones. I found a couple that are really quite interesting in that they try to make a distinction between biological aging and chronological aging. Oh, okay. So the fact that we get chronologically older, so we get more experience, we learn more things, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. Uh, more experiences, that's part of our chronological age. Okay. When people say you know, age brings wisdom, mm-hmm. that's that's the sort of thing that they mean, that chronological age. Mm, okay. Yeah, I could say that. Whereas biological age, after a certain point, is simply the degradation of a machine, mm-hmm. uh, the biological machine. And the fact that these two are at present tightly correlated Mm -hmm. is simply happenstance. Imagine, if you will, that there was, hypothetically, a planet, some other place, where people stopped getting biologically older, say, at the age of 20 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And someone came along and said, hey, I've got this great idea. We're going to introduce a time limit so that after about 60 to 80 years after you reach maturity, everything is just going to start getting slower and not work very well. And then you'll die and you'll never exist ever again. How about we institute that? That idea would probably not go over so well. True. So that's that's the sort of distinction that is, that specific line of thought is, what do they call themselves? Transhumanists. Yes, okay. Does that distinction between biological and chronological aging does that make sense to you? Does that? Uh... It does make sense. Okay. Um, it does make sense. And it, I would say it underlies a lot of that fear that I was talking about. It seems that the specific concerns that you were bringing up were more about the biological yes. than the chronological. Absolutely, yeah. Have you, this is just me kind of mm-hmm. guessing here, but it seems like a chronological age, additional experience could actually make things better in a lot of ways. So. And that's where I was uh, thinking of going if you didn't oh, yeah. already go there. All yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I do think it's interesting that we that we do see these two ways of thinking about aging. And I, li- I like the idea of biological and chronological. I think that's a really good way of putting it. A lot of the things that I've talked about, a lot of the fears that we have, when I say we, certainly I'm basing it on my bit of reading. Oh, that's all we can do. <laughs> but um, those fears are very much about the biological process of aging. Okay. Um, despite the advances that we have in our society, and despite the... Some of them are impressive, but... Yes, absolutely. You know, they're not 100%, but we mm. certainly have ways of helping someone's biological life, helping to sustain someone's biological life for, for longer periods. Mm-hmm. The chronological aging is something that I think has been revered um, as long as humans have been around. And when you hear people talk positively about aging, I would say that it's a chronological aging that we've that we're talking about. Unless the person's confused. More Unless the person is confused, sure. But then the um, 
we can't seem to put the two together and recognize that for many people, the two are going to happen, might happen in tandem. Most likely will at this point. Yeah, Yeah. except certain, again, going back to certain health conditions, someone may may physically manifest what looks like biological aging, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And they're doing it at a much younger age. Um, But the chronological may not be there. Mm -hmm. Or some people may, through trauma, experience greater chronological aging at a younger age. Ah, that's true. Um, And yet biologically they're not there. Mm -hmm. And as long as we create so much of a distinction between the two that we can't ever see how they could work together, as long as we keep doing that, that's as long as we're going to keep dealing with these fears of the biological taking over. Actually, that's kind of the uh, the direction I was going to push you in for a oh, second really? there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I was going I to say there first. something along the lines of uh, going back to the transhumanists again, their, their agenda mm-hmm. is to break that connection between biological and chronological, mm-hmm. to make it so that as you get chronologically older, you no longer get biologically older. Okay. So... Whether or not they succeed is another matter altogether. Sure. There's actually some decent evidence that substantial increases in health span are likely in the next century. Mm-hmm. But that aside, would that be a program you would support, or would it? Would you prefer to just try and resolve the the tension that, or deal with the tension that currently exists? I can definitely see the appeal of breaking them apart. And then I think about, you know, some of the sci-fi radio dramas that I listen to and love and episodes of Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. It is kind of a science fiction-y topic. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> as someone who grew up as a scientist, biological scientist, I certainly have an appreciation for taking advances that far. All of that being said, though, I would rather that we learned how to resolve the debate because, and I wouldn't have said that years ago. But I'm sitting here at 42 thinking that my body is doing things a little differently than it did 20 years ago. But my mind, by and large, is a little deeper, a little calmer, a little more resolved than it was. The chronological versus biological divide. Yes. Okay. And so that, and that chronological aging, soothe is not quite the right word, but it helps you put the biological aging into a better perspective. It's like, it's not it's just part of it. But why not have both, they would ask. Why not have both? Yeah, but ha- continue to have your uh, chronological age increase and gain your experience, but still have the biological youthfulness. So okay. the body does work the way it was, used to. So maybe I'm not understanding because I thought mm. you said break them apart. Exactly. In, okay. So the, the program mm-hmm. is to make it so the biological age is whatever you want it to be. Oh, okay. All right. So that it's no longer the case that it is tied to chronological age. Okay. Well, no, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. That's making me think of the San Junipero um, episode of Black Mirror. I've not seen it, but I've heard of it. It's an episode where people essentially are allowed to pick an era where they want to live. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, well, you know, you get to be younger. You get to enjoy life. I would assume body. that if we were ever to actually implement it, we would be a little smarter than that. I mean, one would hope so. Indeed. Yes, by all means. <laughs> it is just it's just fiction after all, we hope. But um, <laughs> no, I, um, I mean, I definitely see the appeal of that. I do see the appeal of that. And yet I'm not. And this may be because of older strains of, of upbringing. But I think it's 
I don't think that there's anything wrong in letting a body die when it's time for it to die. So I, I want to take a very different tack for a moment here. Okay. And the common refrain that I hear about mm -hmm. those sorts of proposed interventions mm -hmm. is that it's unnatural, right? It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's messing with uh, God's design sure, is a very sure. common one, yeah, I can see which, which is a very interesting objection considering many of the people who put that forward are imagining after death an eternal life of youthfulness. True. It's an interesting leap to, to make at what point does it become natural. Well, and it's particularly interesting depending on how literally you take the Bible because mm. one could argue that when God created Adam and Eve that mm -hmm. they were absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. they, and it lived to 900 if I recall correctly. Adam. They did. However, yeah. um, because of the introduction of sin into the world, mm -hmm. one has to wonder um, the perfection with which they were created. Based on the biblical story, there's no way that they could have maintained that mm -hmm. after sin entered the world. So it's interesting that when you're talking about messing with the natural order, are they talking pre-entrance of sin in the world mm -hmm. or post-entrance of sin in the world? Are they talking about post-entrance of sin in the world and after the flood when the mm. ages started to go down according mm -hmm. to the biblical record. So I find that very interesting because mm -hmm. that's where I would start to try to pick that apart mm -hmm. um, because I do happen to believe, very much still believe in the biblical narrative, but okay. it's, I think my belief is more nuanced now. And so when well, experience. people, exactly, yes, yeah, a chronological aging. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, when people talk about, you know, sort of goes against natural order that yeah. God's design, then my question starts to be, okay, well, let's pick apart that biblical narrative even further, because if we're paying attention, mm -hmm. that natural design was already messed with. So which part of this are mm -hmm. you objecting to? Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you for indulging my oh, you're segue welcome. here. You're welcome. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I do find that fascinating. All right. I do like the uh, the approach. It's, it's funny, when we originally sort of talked about this, yeah. I was like, what is he going to do? Um, but the truth is here... Um, you're not taking me down a road that I haven't already sort of considered. And while it has nothing directly to do with my research, mm -hmm. I know that it's underlying this, you know, ageism that I talked about and the sort of discomfort that society has mm -hmm. with, I would say our discomfort primarily is with biological aging. I, I mean, would agree you know, with that for we, sure. We all want to get super wise and mm -hmm. know how to run shit, but... There's an old phrase, everyone wants to get old, no one wants to be old. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The one that I'm starting to enjoy right now is youth is wasted on the young. Yes. Yes, I like that a lot, which could yeah. easily fit into Indeed. some of the arguments we're talking about. Yeah. No, but I think it's, uh, I do think it's useful to think about aging in these ways because, because the second we start to get uncomfortable, then we can really start to interrogate for ourselves mm -hmm. or for our research, what are the assumptions that I'm operating from? And are those assumptions stable mm -hmm. or do they need to be shifted and i think that's always a useful venture so actually going back to my uh philosophy background mm -hmm. um one of the great traditions in philosophy is uh, humanism mm -hmm. uh basically summed up as uh, we're all in this boat together so let's try <laughs> and get along transhumanists describe themselves as uh well we're all in this boat together trying to get along let's build better boats for everyone <laughs> them aside though, i like that <laughs> yeah. One of the great uh, failings of uh, humanism, in my experience, is is actually ageism. It, mm -hmm. it has built into its practice, if not into its principles, an idea of diminishing returns of human worth okay. as time goes on. Interesting. Um, you ought to save young people before old people. Mm -hmm. And when you phrase it that way, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, that 
kind of makes sense. But it is still a certain type of ageism. Oh, for sure. sure. The challenges to conventionally practiced humanism tend to be so simplistic that they're not counterintuitive enough to be interesting. (laughs) And since they're not interesting, they don't get much attention. So, for example, if you saw someone tied up on a railroad track, Mm -hmm. would you save them? I would want to. I would Assuming try. that, you know, you can see the train, it's going to be 10 minutes, you can easily move them out of the time. Then yes, I would. No one would be called a great moral philosopher for saying such a thing. Uh, but it's still true, right? Like, right. that's the right thing to do. Yeah, of course, of course. Just like if you had the ability to cure someone's Alzheimer's, uh-huh. it would be the right thing to do. Yes. This is what's generally called simplified humanism. So okay. it's humanism without all the special cases. Gotcha. And I, I, I prefer it over transhumanism because transhumanism has all these political things attached to it that I find uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so from that perspective, it, it, I think it's attempting to address ageism isn't the only problem inherent, inherent to uh, humanism as currently practiced. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely one of the big ones. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I, I, so I think... For me, the question then becomes, what is it about humans that makes us want to perfect things and preserve things indefinitely? And I, I, hmm. I think there's probably better ways of saying what I'm trying to say, but okay. trying to change biological aging so that the body never dies, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Or trying to preserve a consciousness so that it never leaves, okay? Despite whatever you believe about after death, that might be right? like just egoism there. I'm not sure, but well, actually, that that might be it, you yeah. know. And maybe that's maybe that's a play um, when it comes to discussing ageism um, in either one of those sectors. Mm-hmm. I would certainly say that it's a play in society in general that mm-hmm. doesn't know a lot about philosophy. We just can't let things go. But we somehow feel as though we failed if we don't preserve them in a perfect state. And yeah. I and that's something that I find interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't I'm not I'm not completely against it, don't yeah. get me wrong. But I find that interesting that we can't let those things go. It is interesting. I'm I'm trying to imagine uh, a world in which we have successfully decoupled chronological from biological mm, aging. That would be interesting. So you would have your 150-year-old mm-hmm. chronologically with mm-hmm. their 25-year-old biological body. Right. Would that question make sense in that situation? Would it be like, well, yeah, you're only biologically 25, but you're 150. Maybe it's time to let go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that would probably not fly, but that would just be my prediction. Well, I guess, you know, in a couple of generations, it probably wouldn't fly, but right now it probably would because it would be kind of weird to have a 150-something-year-old person and a 25-year-old body. It would, but I don't think it would be right to ask them to, like, let go. No, of course not. But that's why I'm saying, like, you know, in a couple of generations down the road, it wouldn't be a thing at all. That's true. I mean, we're not going to need to worry about a 150-year-old for at least another, I don't know, 50 years. exactly. So, no, it's it's a great question. I just Mm -hmm. think... um, and I'm I'm certainly leaning back on uh, old science fiction when I think about this. Actually, I have not encountered all that much science fiction that deals with extended health spans. Most of the time I see it if there's extended lifespans, uh-huh. the health degrades quite mm-hmm. poorly mm-hmm. or they just don't deal with it at all. I mean, Star Trek never deals with it. Um, all right. Not entirely true. They have some aliens that live a long time, but that's considered natural because that's the way they are. 
So, so I'm thinking of a few um, stories I've heard um, from shows like X minus one and Dimension X, which were back in the fifties, I believe. Okay, I don't know those ones. Where the society was structured in such a way that once you hit the age of 60, the expectation was that you would die. Oh, sort of like Logan's Run. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, okay. I think it was uh, age of 30 in that one. Okay, fair yeah, enough. But fair something enough. like that. And then anyone who sort of lived past that was some sort of a subversive or a yeah. rebel. Yeah. And all of the reasons that they present for why this is a normal thing and why people who live beyond that are being selfish were yeah. always really fascinating to me. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the, the arguments I always hear, you know, what about overpopulation? Yes, what about exactly. the, uh, the resources? Yeah, the, and the, how will yeah. we pay the pensions? Yes, like, exactly. Well, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. th- those are actually separate issues that are, are potentially addressable. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially considering uh, birth rates seem to drastically decline with yes. the uh, lifespan yes. or life expectancy. But exactly. Those are separate issues. Yes, they are. But it's all, <laughs> it's all from bit of sand to throw into the works of people who are uh for sure because that big narrative does need picking apart mm-hmm. i mean the big narrative causes us problems mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's it's not a bad thing to throw bits of sand into that and say well that's not quite right so what do we do now you gotta interrogate the big ideas absolutely sure. gotta interrogate all the ideas well all the ideas yes. yeah. yeah all the ideas right now all the ideas oh. right now um, not sex today because I want to be better prepared for interrogating <laughs> that idea. <laughs> uh, I would probably be the wrong person for that anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. This was fun though. Yeah. No, I enjoyed that. Yeah. All right. This has been another episode of So What? The podcast about library and information science research and why it matters. So What? is created and produced by students at the Faculty of Information and Media Studies at Western University in London, Ontario. Find us online at sowhat.fims.uwo.ca. 